So the big question is this, how are real estate investors who don't have a ton of free time, don't have access to off-market deals, and didn't start life on third base, how do we grow a real estate business conservatively to support our families, finally leave the corporate rat race and build a legacy? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Ed Matthews, and this is Real Estate Underground. This is the Real Estate Underground podcast show number 30. Hey, everybody. This is Ed Matthews with Real Estate Underground podcast. I am joined by my friend and partner, Rich Brown. Mr. Brown, hello, sir. How are you? Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I am as good as ever. As I was just telling Deirdre, our guest offline, I am busier than a one-armed paper hanger. We're running hard, so it's good. Awesome. I'm really excited about Deirdre being on today, so can't wait to jump into it. Absolutely. So let's get to that. So Deirdre, welcome to the show. We are really excited to have you. I've had the benefit of knowing you, gosh, it's been three or four years now. Deirdre is the former managing director of the Southern Connecticut RIA Real Estate Investors Association, and she kindly allowed us to acquire her company way back when, pre-COVID, actually directly right before COVID, if I remember correctly. So well played there, my friend. And as Ron has been notorious to say, Ron Farachi is notorious to say, you know, we, we bought a meeting business in the middle of right before a pandemic hit. So that was excellent judgment on our part. Uh, Yeah, it's okay. So Deirdre, welcome. Thank you so much for making time today. I know how busy you are and there may be one or two people out there in the audience that don't know who you are. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Deirdre Verbo. I have been doing real estate full time for Oh, maybe 15, 16 years now. Um, it's full-time investor. Started out doing short sales, negotiating short sales, kind of right place, right time when the market took a hit back in 2007 or eight, whenever that was, I had just started. was negotiating 100 short sales a year. So that was just crazy time. And I continued doing short sales until basically this year, I have about one a month going on now. <laughs> so it's a very different time, but I think they'll pick up again, unfortunately, not that I want people to lose their homes. After short sales, I added in doing flips and wholesaling, started the real, like you said, own a bunch of apartments. And then two years ago, I opened a residential assisted living, which is now my passion. And in May, I bought a second one. So my goal is to get five under my belt in the next few years. And that's really where my passion lies. Still doing flips when I can get them and short sales, still have departments, but this is really my, speaks to my heart. I love it. Wow. So tell us a little, let's jump right into it. I mean, I'm sure some of our audience is saying, how can that be a part of real estate investment or what is that? So tell us a little bit about what it is and why has it become your passion? Well, it's interesting when Ed was saying that, you know, when I was running the Southern Connecticut area, my group wanted to hear about assisted living. And personally, I wasn't interested because it looked like a big syndication race to me. And I'm of the age that a lot of my friends' parents are in these places. And I visited them. And they're beautiful, but I didn't care for any of the care. I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful pool, but your father has dementia. Does he use a pool? And they were so expensive and I never saw any caregivers around. And I just was not, yeah, I wasn't into the whole industry. But when my group wanted to hear about it, and I know it's a big topic now because the aging population, I sussed out speakers and found Residential Assisted Living Academy. Have you had them out yet? Actually, Isabel is coming Monday and Tuesday. So yes. Oh my 
Come yeah. on, I can't believe I'm up here. <laughs> okay, that's too bad. She's really nice. Oh, uh, that's great. So we had her brother actually come to the yeah, ring. And I was like, this is awesome because they don't do the big builds. It's all like kind of group homes. And if you're not familiar with the group home, my brother is Down syndrome. So he lives in a group home near my parents, mm-hmm. which is very similar. So I have a six person home, regular ranch that I renovated. So the renovation skills came in, renovated it to be eight bedrooms, six and a half bathrooms to accommodate two caregivers around the clock. And I have six people living there. It's private pay in Connecticut. It works out well. So I could charge less than a big facility can charge. Right. We're much happier, have much better care because there's two caregivers to six people. And it's a home. It's a family. It's where I'd want my relatives to be if they have dementia. That's totally outstanding. So you're able to hire folks that the care 24 hour a day care live in caregivers that can provide memory care and advanced care as well. Yes. Yeah, so, well, if anybody wants to talk to me about them, they can call me because lots of people call me in Connecticut. Absolutely. It's not a thing here. Yeah. So I actually have three companies, one, which is a holding company called Just Like Home that you see yeah. behind me. Yeah. And then each house has its own LLC. Right. And then I opened up a home healthcare agency to hire the people myself. Outstanding. Yeah. Because it's very expensive to hire the help and they were paid less than half. Right. of what I was paying per day through an agency. So I'm always interviewing. I'm always interviewing people because it's, yeah. I interview a hundred people to get a good one. Wow, I'm sure. Yeah. How's the learning curve been since this is a new venture for you? How was the learning curve going from just real estate to now being in the home healthcare business and being in the real estate business? That's a great question because so many people call me and they're like, oh, it's big money, you know, it's a real estate play. Well, the real estate play is such a small part of it. It was very helpful that I could flip houses so I can renovate and had a crew. Yet that takes what? A few months. And now it's a business you're running and you have to love seniors. So I do love seniors and I love my seniors. They're they're hysterical. I love my families because they're all so happy that everybody is happy and cared for. And the caregivers can be a little challenging, but that's something I work on. So I have a house manager, and I work with CNAs on nourishing them. I bring in financial people for them. I brought in people about nutrition for them. Like, you know, I help them with their lives because they're my backbone. Without them being fabulous to my people, that's the whole business. So a lot of people think this is a big real estate play. It's a business. Yeah, and it's it, one of the things that drew me to the Guarinos, because I've looked at it as well, is their mantra around doing well by doing good, right? And I apologize, the father's name is, is escaping me, but Gene, Gene, Gene thank you so much. But we had a manual right before COVID hit come in and talk about their program, and I was blown away by it. And not only is it an opportunity to grow wealth, but you're also solving a huge problem in today's society. I mean, just the baby boomer generation alone is 76, 77 million people who are in the process of retiring right now. And the idea that there is nowhere near enough senior living facilities to be able to accommodate that, that number of that gigantic number of people is pretty daunting. So first off, congratulations. I'm glad it's going so well. And also thank you because you're providing a tremendous service. I love it. Like it really speaks to my heart. It's one thing I love about short sales. I feel like a little social worker. Right. Money, you know, I love to help people earn, earn my living. My second home 
that I just bought in May, the woman I bought the home from, it's kind of a funny story because it's keeping on down low to, I made an overpriced offer, of course, and got it accepted after making a dozen overpriced offers and not getting them accepted all year. And I hadn't seen the house. So I made an offer while I was away on a Saturday. And on Sunday, on Monday, they accepted my offer and I was still away. And on Monday, they wanted me to put down 20%, which was $120,000, wire it to their lawyer, which I thought was a great idea on their part. But I hadn't seen the house yet. So when I got back on Monday, I'm like, okay, before I wire the money, can I see the house? So I went to see the house and the lady was there, the homeowner. So I said to my realtor, I said, does she know I'm buying the house? And does she know what I'm doing with that? And the realtor said, no. And I walked around the house and the lady said, I love what you're going to do with the house. And I'm like, well, they had looked me up. They knew the mayor. They spoke to the mayor. The mayor told them what I did with another home. And they were so happy because her husband died of dementia. And it was just like two years earlier. So they thought it was awesome what I was doing. So here I am, like, you know, not telling people what I'm doing so they don't be like, oh, you're going to turn my home into a business, you know, right. kind of thing. And here she was, like, so happy what I was doing. So it was pretty funny. But she gave me such a big lead time that I decided to hit up the SBA. And I found an awesome SBA mortgage counselor. If you ever want an SBA loan, you need to go to somebody that specializes in what you're doing. So I'm part of the realm, not the real estate investor association the residential living association mm-hmm. and i got a mortgage broker from them the guy is awesome he specializes in this so he's held my hand through the process and i was able to get an sba loan and a very big line of credit to do my next few houses with that excellent well that's yeah. fantastic congratulations Thank you. Thank you. But it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. I mean, with the SBA, it's one of the things that scares most investors off is that the stack of paperwork is typically as tall as you are, right? And continuous. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're never done doing their paperwork. It's insane. Yeah. So in terms of your business, are you keeping this internal in terms of capital or have you raised money for this at all? I've had a number of people that want to invest with me, but they want a piece of the business. Yeah. And I kind of just want an equity part, you know, a person that's just there that I'm giving equity to, right? I, you know, percentage on their money. I actually have the money I need to do it with the SBA, but I'm also thinking of doing more without the SBA. So I'd be looking for some private investors too. Interesting. Interesting. And so a business like this, you know, usually when you look at like a multifamily, you're looking at 10, 12, 15 plus percent returns, depending on the marketplace, right? In terms of cash flow, is this a similar type of return or, you know, what kind of returns do we typically see in this business? Well, the returns are pretty high. Yeah. The returns are pretty high because it depends, you know, of course, what you buy the house for, what you renovate it for, and who you borrow money from. But, you know, without that, I think oh, I had that number before. I had to calculate it for somebody before. So the returns are high. I mean, my people pay seventy eight hundred a month to live there. Yeah. So I'm taking in, I want to say forty, forty six thousand a month, something like that. CNAs are costly, and you have to buy the food, and I've sure, people every day, but it's still very profitable business. Yeah. Outstanding. But it is a business. Yep. Understood. But you're providing a tremendous service to these six people, which is outstanding. So you've bought the second home. 
and you're in the process of renovating that right now? Is that? I'm in the process of closing my second loan with the SBA. Okay. I can renovate All right. So we're just getting to the table. Okay. Excellent. And so when you go to renovate, is this a typical renovation in terms of a flip where it's, you know, 90, 120, maybe 180 days? Yes, but what's a little different about this, Ed, is that I had to hire a general contractor and I'm general contractor on my flips. So it's cost me a lot more than I would typically pay for a flip because I had to hire somebody with a license to do it because I'm going with the SBA. So I'm used to, of course, having my crew, knowing what they charge, bringing them all together and getting it done, you know, quickly. So it's a little different. So my general contractor has been great and he's also I gave him some of my people to use in price. So he's been really, really nice. But I don't know. I've never kind of just sat back and watched the general contractor do it. So I have to see what that's going to be like. Deidre, when you're looking at the real estate for this business, is there a, a profile for properties you look for? Absolutely. Um, yeah. so tell us a little bit about the profile for the properties. And then you said you have to renovate. What are some of the generic renovations that you do? Like, are you putting in granite countertops? Are you putting in chandeliers? Or is it more because you're dealing with the senior population, you're making sure you have grab bars in the showers and maybe there's ramps or things of that nature. Can you talk us through some of that? Sure. I'm actually doing both. I make them a little fancy schmancy because people are private paying and they've come from nice homes. So there's chandeliers and there's granite countertops and there's grab bars and white hallways with bars and them and it looks like a regular home it doesn't look like any kind of facility we don't have a cart for medicine or anything that's kept in a locked cabinet we do make a ramp out in front the things that are extra are full house generator full house suppression system monitors inside the house and like the lockdown system i call it keypad entry and exit so those things add a little more than a hundred thousand extra to the cost Again, nothing you have to do. Just what I do, because if I were to put my parent there, this is what I'd want. Right. You know, if you have six people that are a little slow and there was a fire, you'd want to know that there was a full house suppression system. Or if you had somebody in a wheelchair, you wouldn't want to know that they're stuck. But it's not mandatory by any means. In fact, when I put the fire suppression in, the fire department gave me such a hard time because they said it was a commercial system. And I said, a homeowner's allowed to put a fire suppression system in their house. What's your problem? Like, give me the permit. And they didn't give me the permit for like five months. And I was almost done with the whole house. And I was arguing with them about the permit. So I said, you know what? This is bogus. And I just put the fire suppression system in, which is like $36,000. Yeah, it's not cheap. And then I called them and I said, come inspect. They said, you didn't get the permit. I said, it's wrong that you didn't give me a permit for five months. Come and inspect. I couldn't wait for you any longer. And you came and inspected and you did past it. You learn a lot of lessons just doing things, working with the towns, you know? Yeah. And, and now some the towns kind of know me. I was being transparent about what I was doing, and I don't know why it was taking so hard for them to wrap their head around it. One of the lessons that I think you mentioned earlier, it may have been before we started the interview, but you've learned something about when to call the boss, right? Yes. Go to the mayor. So even in this case, after I met the mayor who came to my ribbon cutting ceremony, he said, oh, you just should have come to me if you had any problems. And I was like, really? So simultaneously, I was just doing a flip in Danbury and was taking so long to get the permit that I called the mayor. And the mayor, I got the permit the next day. So I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you can't wait for people. Are you interested in real estate investing right here in Connecticut? 
Ever wonder where all those real estate investing pros hang out to network? Did you know the Connecticut Real Estate Investors Association will introduce you to those investors and will help you learn how to find deals, fund those deals, and even teach you how to do it without leaving your current job? Go to ctrea.com, that's C-T-R-E-I-A.com, and click on the events button to register for an upcoming event. Hope to see you soon. Buying investment real estate is both thrilling and sometimes stressful. Without a lending expert by your side, most investors don't stand a chance. That's where CTREA Funding comes in. CTREA Funding was founded by investors to help investors just like you fund their deals. Whether you're buying a single-family rehab, an apartment building, or really any investment property, our team will understand your deal and help you close quickly. Go to CTREIAFunding.com or call us at 860-876-0572. Obviously, you have done a lot of different things in this business, right? And I know that you're someone who is voraciously learning all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, you know, how do you learn? Do you read? Do you listen to podcasts, coaching programs, obviously? But how else are you consuming information and getting smarter? I love the coaching programs. That is why I started the RIA because I was a member of the RIA before and I loved all the coaching programs. And the best way I learn from them is going to the meetings, is going to, I wouldn't ever buy the coaching program for a thousand bucks if you can go to a weekend for 2000 because for me, just reading it is not going to be, it's okay in certain instances, but like for the residential assisted living, I went out for $2,000 weekend and I got to meet people that were doing it right and i get to talk to them and see what the ins and outs are what my concerns are and what you know so you don't really get to meet or talk to people when you're just buying the program so i've never done well buying a program i always do so much better when i go to you know a meeting or three-day coaching event or a longer coaching event because you get to talk to the player like in this one of my biggest things was the insurance i said wow people are going to die are you, are you being sued? Like when people die? And so that was my, in my mind, like, well, these people are older and they're going to live there till they die. And what's my liability here? Right. And that apparently is not even a problem. And so it was explained to me that, oh, yes, you have insurance, right? But like my, I have 93 year olds at my home and nobody wants their parent to die. But when your parent has Alzheimer's and dementia, they hardly know who you are. And you're keeping them going and their quality of life, even if they're in a beautiful place, what's their quality of life? They're not in their home. Right. They're not with their family. Right. And you're paying, what, 100000 a year to keep them. Nobody sues you. My mother-in-law died. She had Alzheimer's for 11 years. She's in a terrible place in New York, though. She died two years ago. And I prayed for her to die. I was praying for her. She was in a wheelchair. She couldn't speak. She couldn't move. She couldn't anything. So... That was my big concern, and that was not a concern after I met with people and they explained to me how it works. And I also thought dying was going to be an issue for me. <laughs> I haven't experienced a lot of death, and now I've had three people die in my home that have come on hospice care right. into the home at a level that they were close to death, and they've lived there six or seven months before they passed, but it was actually beautiful. Like with all the residents around them, stroking their hair and saying, I love you and singing to them. And one was singing, how much is this dog in the window? And 
the families get to be there and not have the person at home dying. Everybody's, it's been a beautiful experience, actually. Right. So it's been great. It's been great. It's got to be so gratifying and to know that, you know, your loved one is cared for as if they were your own. Right. Exactly. I have happy hour with them. We go play games. We bring in people. And the people come visit their relatives almost every day. Yeah. They can come anytime. We feed them, whatever. It's their home. Outstanding. I love it. So would you say of all the aspects of real estate that you've been in, you find this one the most rewarding? This one is the, well, I like to see houses go from thick to beautiful. Mm. You know, so that's kind of fun. So I do love to renovate and do flips. This is the most rewarding. I don't really find having tenants that rewarding. So I do like short sales with a lot of paperwork. This is the most rewarding, definitely. Okay. Personally, and the most fulfilling. Yeah. So you've had a lot of experiences. I know you've done several coaching programs, which, you know, I look at coaching programs as if we're hiring mentors, right? It's clearly Mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm always looking at is, can this person make me smarter? With mentors come advice. And I'm curious what the best advice you've ever gotten. And frankly, who gave it to you? Well, Paul Fink, who's one of my coaches, who was brought into the RIA. Yeah. Awesome, because he does life and business coaching, yep. and I'm part of the mastermind group with him. He does his whole thing is mindset. Yeah. So I guess one of the best things he said to me to change my mindset is he if he said like if money were no issue, what would you be doing? Right. And you could always find the money. So you know, so many people are stopped by oh I don't have the money oh I can't do a flip because I don't have the money I can't do this because I don't have the money. He said, if money were no issue, if you could get it, what would you be doing? And when you think like that, you're like, well, this is what I'd be doing. So let me just do it and figure out how to get the money. So I guess that was the biggest mindset shift. Yeah. And I really like him as a coach because he is excellent in shifting mindset, for instance. So my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, Chris. Congratulations. Thank you. He's also being coached by him. And he's a big, he goes over personality things. And he's a big S personality, which is a person yeah. that is always doing for other people. And he became a realtor and he wasn't doing well at it in the beginning because he didn't want to tell people he's a realtor. He thought it was pushy. So he thought being a salesperson was pushy. That was his concept. Right. So he wasn't doing well. Like he wouldn't tell anybody he's a realtor. Even his friends were buying houses without him. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. So... Paul Fink said to him, do you go above and beyond? Yes. Are you the best person? Because, you know, he, he's like so good as a realtor and so good with that. And we'll find them contractors and hold their hand for everything. And he's like, so why, why would you deprive somebody of using you? Why would you leave them with somebody who's taking as a pass field job? And that shifted his mindset and the guy's flying now. Like he is awesome. Like just that simple mind shift. Yep. So I think most of it is not what we learn tactically, but it's more of a mindset shift. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the most important element of a company is the leader's mindset and state of mind, right? Because everything falls from that, right? Yeah. Now, did you want to hear about a good deal I did? Absolutely. Couldn't wait. Okay. I'll tell you an interesting deal we did. So flipping a house right for COVID, put it on the market, in February, it, right, 
20? Yes. <laughs> and just sold it in December. Of 2021. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So wow. we put this house on the market at 1.250, a big house in Fairfield, bought a short sale for like 500000 And I short sailed it, bought it, and we put in like 400000 mm-hmm. Right before COVID, we had an offer, a little less than that. And then we had an offer for 1250 but they wanted to do a lease option. I was like, no, let's just take the, you know, 100, like, whatever, 100,000 less and you'd be done with it. No. So we decided to take the lease option. They give us a $50,000 option and they leased it, you know, for more than it was costing us for the private money, like a thousand more. Then COVID hit. And I'm like, oh my God, we should have sold this house. Like, I'm like, are they going to be able to buy it now? Is he going to lose his job? COVID hit. Well, six months go by and the guy cannot exercise his option. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So he's like, but I want another option because give me another six months. Okay. So we pocketed 50 and gave him another $50,000 option. So, but it was like for nine months. So nine months go by and he can't exercise his option. So we also charge him more money. So I said, all right, so you have to move because this house is now worth a few hundred thousand. Like, you know, have a pool, the right. same house, like, no. The market's crazy, and we could get so much more for the house. And I said, you know, so you, we are not going to extend another option. Mind you, this guy, we had his tax returns. We made almost $2 million a year. So he must have some sort of tax issue because I don't know why he couldn't get a mortgage. Because right. we had his tax returns. So he loses the second $50,000. So now we have pocketed $100,000. And then we said to him, you know, I'm sorry, you have to move because we can get so much money for this house. And apparently you can't get a mortgage. I don't know what the story is. And he said, no, give me a few more months. And we're like, no, out of time. So we made another deal with him where he's going to pay another like $1,500 a month in rent. And we increased the price by $100,000 to $1,350. So finally, in December, he closes with a straw buyer. Basically, somebody bought it for him. A friend of his bought it. And I guess he's going to rent it from them. But we close in December. So instead of $1,250, we sold it for one three fifty, collected rent, a few thousand above for like almost two years, above what we were getting, and a hundred thousand in wow that he didn't. <laughs> so okay, that's out. all so right. You win. That's my favorite deal of all the deals we've talked about in the last six, eight, ten months. You win. That's my favorite deal. But it was crazy COVID time. It was like a COVID time crazy deal because we were right. first like oh my God, we should have accepted that offer, you know, and just been done with it because now COVID has brought everything down Then COVID brought everything up. So we're like, okay, so now it's paying off that, you know, he stayed. So that worked out great. (laughs) So I learned two things from that story. One, you're a lot smarter than I am. Congrats. And and second, when we all see each other, you, my friend, are buying the first round. (laughs) I, I I do want to say something to your people listening. This is why it's really important to go to all the classes and to take everything possible because if you just thought you're a flipper and you never took a wholesale class or never took a class and how to do a lease option, I would have thought my choices are limited. But because I've taken classes and everything and I knew that I could do all these different things, then you're not ever leaving money on the table. Right. Once I couldn't get money for a deal back in the beginning, and it was a probate deal, it was such a good deal. My daughter was getting married, and I was pledging money to her wedding, and I needed the money. It was such an amazing deal. 
but being a probate deal, it had to be in my name and I had to close in my name and I couldn't get the money because long story short, I wholesaled it and made like $60,000. And mm. if I didn't know how to wholesale, I just would have been like, ah, oh, just that deal went through my fingers, you know? So it's really important. That's why I love the REA because you, it's very important to take every course so you know exactly what you can and can't do. So you never, you have so many, so many more opportunities. Excellent. When you are not talking about all these awesome real estate deals and the businesses that you run, what else do you like to do? I love to travel. Yeah. So we travel a lot. I'm gone like every month somewhere fun. I love to entertain, just do a great party with a band at my house. I love to read. But four books this week on vacations at the beach. And of course, I love to talk about my grandchildren, but nobody else wants to hear about them. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I hang out with my kids and grandkids and my friends, and I love to cook. I love to do crafts. I like to do a lot of things. I love to dance. Very busy woman. Yeah. I like to hang out with my friends. Excellent. Never a dull moment. Yeah, that's it, right? May you live in interesting times. If someone wants to get a hold of you and see if they can learn more about your business or for whatever other reason, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, a lot of people call me about starting residential assisted living homes. I think yeah. in Arizona send everybody to me because it's very different in Connecticut. Yeah. It's actually a thing in the Midwest. There's tons of them. And it's you know in Arizona and California, but we just don't have them here in the Northeast. So it's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So I do help a lot of people with that. So they could just call me at two or three. 5704839 Dear Verbo or just like home my website. Well fantastic. Well, Dear Verbo, thank you so much for your time today. As always, it's great to see you, my friend. And hopefully uh, if you're not traveling somewhere across the world, we get to see you at one of the upcoming CT Rea meetings. I know it just so happens like every time there's a meeting and I want to go, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, something else is going on, like I'm traveling somewhere. But yes, I will definitely be at the meetings. I love them. I love to meet like-minded people. I love to hear everything that's going on with people. And I love to hear that you guys are still doing well with flips because that's a little tough for me getting new ones. So I think that's awesome. I love to hear that people are still doing it. <laughs> so it's inspiring. Now I'm going to go online and start looking. There you go. Well, good luck. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. This has been the Real Estate Underground Podcast, a CTRIA presentation. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. If there's a specific topic you want us to cover, post it in the comments. For more information on the Real Estate Underground Podcast or CTRIA, go to realestateundergroundpodcast.com or ctria.com. Until next time, happy investing. <laughs>